Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash genre. Over 180,000 titles to choose from from your iPhone, Android, or Kindle. That's audibletrial.com forward slash G-E-N-R-E. Weirdo Bookworms, unite. We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Some readers out there may look down on you for your love of horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, but not us. So stop by as we discuss what we've been reading. Hi, genre junkies. This is Sandra. And this is Scott. And this is our much <laughs> delayed um, end of October Halloween episode. Yeah. Happy Halloween on November 5th. <laughs> you know what? It doesn't matter because every day is Halloween. That's right. You know, October 31st is for tourists and some of us live here all year long. So think of this as sort of your your hang your 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 Halloween hangover cure. Um Yes. Because we're all a little sad that Halloween is gone. And this year in particular, Halloween went by (laughs) so quickly. This was a really weird Halloween for us in California. Many parts of it, including our little part of it. Because the whole freaking state's been on fire. Yeah, so that's been a lot of fun. But yeah, Sandra and I have been doing a lot of, uh, well, honestly, kind of volunteering, if you think about it. We've had, we had evacuees. Well, we we both our- have day jobs where um, we um, aid in fire uh, victim things. Yes, and yeah. we also had some evacuees in our house, along Mostly with- four-legged ones. Yeah, nine stranded cats. So 10 counting our cat, who is Stitches, who you, you all know, our producer of the show, who hates cats and most other people. Very unhappy. Yeah, she was like, this is a joke. My life is a joke. I hate you all. You're not my real dad. <laughs> and ever since they left, she has been following us around like a little shadow. Yeah, she's like, don't let anybody else come in here. Don't let them. Maybe some other cat people that I like, but I'm no. enough. I'm I'm good enough. I'm good people. You only need me, and I and I'm going to be around you all the time to remind you. Yep, and she's right. <laughs> she is right. <laughs> she's the best cat. So tonight is also another long-awaited episode because it is our salute to Joe Hill. Joe Hill is. I'm just going to go out there and say just probably my favorite horror. I like how, like probably kind of I'm just going to say it. He is my favorite horror author. He's definitely one of my favorite authors, horror or not. Um he's up there. I mean, like, you know, top 3. <laughs> And I think that he's an author that transcends genre. I have recommended books of his to my mom, who is not a horror person at all. And she really did uh, enjoy the book that she did read of his. Mm-hmm. And um, I think if you're listening to this show and you're one of our horror listeners, I think that you've probably read many of his books. And if you haven't, mm. this is going to be an introduction and a su- and a few suggestions on some books to, to read by him and really just get down to enjoying yeah so this whole episode is going to be spoiler free um and if you haven't read joe hill shame on you and if you have then this will be like a wonderful little time where we can just geek out together and of course come find us on social media and talk to us about joe hill and we're each gonna pick um three of our like most favorite of his works and just kind of focus on those so there's a couple that aren't gonna get mentioned but um we love them anyway there's nothing he's produced that we don't like frankly 
exactly. So even the like sound like it's like, oh, that might not be my f- most favorite. Um, maybe I like this one more. But I mean, there <sighs> he's written nothing that I can't like that I don't like. I, I agree. There's nothing I've read by him that I did not enjoy. So I have gotten to meet Joe Hill three times and hear him speak. This last time, Scott finally got to go. He's always finally. been really sick or working or something. And um, so it was like really, really amazing that uh, he finally got to see him. And if you have a chance to ever go listen to him speak, attend a signing, his signings are wonderful. He always reads a big passage of his latest book that he's promoting, and he answers questions questions but he does it all with like a lot of storytelling so you really feel like you're getting your money's worth so to speak like he's giving you uh more than you expect he goes over and above and beyond to make this a fun uh interactive storytelling experience yeah, he really is a very fun and very nice guy. That poor guy was so tired by the end of that signing, but he yeah. he just gave the same energy to every single person who came up to the table. He would sign as much as you had to give him. It was great. Yeah, it was uh, it was absolutely amazing. Oh, like really quickly, should we tell people what we were for Halloween if they didn't see? Yeah. I was a Toy Story alien. And I was Mario. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I have a real mustache right now uh, i had to shave for the fire so i could wear a particle mask and i said well i guess i'll just try it on well, i'm it was growing kind of an accident it was it was definitely an accident but yeah. you know once i shaved off that bottom of my goatee i was like hey what the heck yeah and uh yeah uh i don't plan on ever having a mustache again <laughs> and sandra is overjoyed to hear this i have to say it is not my favorite look it's really weird scott doesn't look like himself and it like kind of scares me. You have to admit, though, I wear it well. Even if it's not my look, I wear it well. Now you just look like Mario. <laughs> also, for those that have been living under a rock, uh, Joe Hill is part of a really famous family. <laughs> His um, whole family are writers. You might have heard of them. He has a brother named Owen. Uh, he has a mother named Tabitha. And he has a dad named Stephen. King. They're all kings. And they're amazing. And they are all <laughs> the coolest people. Obviously... Stephen King is my hero. Um, and just to clarify, too, in case you haven't read his books, though he writes horror and like kind of fantasy sci-fi horror in a way, too, um, he and his dad have like totally different styles. Very different. Yes. And don't let that fool you. And I think most people, once they start reading them, they'll really see the difference. They're both incredibly talented writers, but they're um, they're totally doing their own thing. Okay, Scott, we're going to let you go first. All right. So I would like to start with, I feel, the stepping point for people who don't typically read horror, and that is The Fireman. Okay. And this book, make no mistake, it is a horror novel, but it's also a science fiction post-apocalyptic novel, and it's so well done. Definitely. Uh, the the main character like many of his books actually is female mm-hmm. and she finds herself in this world where it has ended people are spontaneously combusting and just being burnt to ash seemingly randomly and it's it's her story finding um you know going through the world finding a community of survivors and also 
meeting the character of the fireman, who is also a really interesting, solid backstory of a of of a character. I it's it's one of his longer books, but every single moment just snaps. It's it's such a good book. It's um it's definitely an incredible book. It's uh he borrows actually straight up steals some characters from his dad in this one. And it's really funny and he totally says that in there. Like this was stolen, this was stolen. And it's like these wonderful like almost Easter egg homage type things. Um yeah a lot of his books are the type of horror where there's some thing, some supernatural or what have you thing, but there's also a lot of the human drama, a lot of real life um, horrifying stuff that his characters go through. And The Fireman's like um, definitely a really good example of that. Yeah. And, and you know, it warms my science fiction heart with this novel because there really is some fantastical science fiction in this that just, just really makes me giggle with glee and this is the book that i had my mom read who is not a horror right reader at all mm. and she loved it yeah it definitely disturbed her more than most books do but she loved it it's a really original concept to this whole thing with um the spontaneous human combustion and the the, the fires everywhere like that's um I don't think I'd ever read another post-apocalyptic book that had that, and I've read a lot. Um, I am a big fan of spontaneous human combustion because I'm from the 90s. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like, I talk about a show a lot called Sightings that was like, oh, I loved it so much as a kid. It was like this weird show that was on Sunday afternoons, and I'd watch it. My mom would make me like a big thing of grape Kool-Aid, and I would just sit down and watch it, and it was all about... um, weird stuff cryptids ufo sightings ghosts hauntings uh all that stuff and i loved it so much as a little kid and that was like you'd watch sightings and then like unsolved mysteries would come on it was just a wonderful like afternoon of television in my world um and spontaneous human combustion was a thing like in the early 90s i could be misremembering this wrong but it was like like it was everywhere like i felt like i was constantly hearing about people spontaneously combusting it was as popular as acid rain sure (laughs) and i was i i mean what happened why don't people spontaneously combust anymore um i think i think uh what's going on with that global warming Yep. Yeah, it's changed it. Yeah, I think I think it's changed it. I mean, we're already just all con- spontaneously combusting at this point. Are you trying to tell me it was like a hoax? The combusting was a hoax, but no. we've never proved that. I, no, no one's ever proved that, that. Would be saying that that would be like saying that would be like saying that uh, global warming is a hoax. No one tell me if they if someone disproved <laughs> spontaneous <laughs> combustion. I love it so much. It's like so like the images like they would show on those TV shows and stuff of like you know be. Like, like a leg and like a pile of ash. Like it's so seared into my mind. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll combust. I, I don't know. I don't know how it works. I hope not. Well, I mean, not right away. I suppose there's worse ways to go than, you know, a scientifically um, dubious phenomena. Yeah. We're going to call it a phenomena. All right, let's do my pick next. Okay. Uh, so this is a little bit of cheating. It's my favorite work by Joe Hill. Did you use, is the fireman your favorite? No, no, I think what you're about to say is my favorite. Oh, really? I yeah. stole it? Mm-hmm. But you had to let me. I did have to let so, you. So um, that would be his first novel, which is Heart Shaped Box. It's so good, and it's so much fun. This is a wonderful, wonderful novel. I have a really battered up 
uh, copy that I've carried around for many moons and loaned to many people. And it's um, it's a paperback, uh, like a pocket paperback. And like the colors are inside, like the pages are like discolored. And they have like that, like, you know, sepia ombre effect going mm-hmm. on to them. And uh, this last time that we got to meet Joe, I had him sign this for me. Um because I just love my little battered edition so much. And uh, this is a story about an aging uh, rocker. He's like a metal guy named Judas Coyne. Not his real name. (laughs) And he has a collection of macabre items. He has a hangman's noose. He has a witch's confession. He has some Gacy paintings. He has a little snuff film, which ends up playing a big part Mm -hmm. in this. And then he he has a trepaned skull, which you don't don't hear about trepaning too much anymore. And then he ends up uh, buying a suit off of an auction site that is haunted. This guy is um, a dead man's suit, they call it. And it comes with a ghost. And all hell breaks loose from there. Judas Coyne is my book crush, my book boyfriend. I love him so, so much. He's incredibly flawed, um, at times horrible, but uh, I really love him. I like love, love him. And this story follows... I mean, obviously, the trouble he gets into with a haunted suit, buying a ghost on the internet, but it mostly delves into his past and his life and his troubled childhood and his troubled marriage and... And the reason why he collects all of these creepy things. Yeah. Um. So it has that really beautiful, wonderful character study. And there's also somebody he's in a current relationship with, and it looks a lot at their dynamic and... um. It's very funny. It's got some great laugh out loud moments in it, but um, it is so scary. It so heart shaped box has one of the most memorable uh, descriptions that I that I've ever come across. And there's been multiple times when I've asked Sandra, "Hey, what movie was it where?" They had this thing going on, and I don't want to spoil exactly what that is. Let's just say it's the appearance of the ghost. Yes, it is the appearance of the ghost, and it's so descriptive, and it's so original, and it's so just, it's it's stuck with me so much. I swear that I have seen that in a movie, and it's just from the book. Yes. And that that is something special when you can really capture something like that. Um, no, that image, the way he describes the look of this ghost is so perfect, so perfectly scary. And um, up until I read this, I had not read a description of a ghost like this at all. And I feel like um, it's it's so simple, but that's, you know, what can be really scary is something really, really simple. But like you just take what it's supposed to be and you tweak it. So something's really wrong with it. And uh, that's the ghost you get in Heart Shaped Box. So the next book that I'm going to bring to the table is Nosferatu. Yay! Which is, of course, a really popular TV show now. It hit, It is, which we have not seen. Have not watched one episode. I'm, and I'm not, I'm honestly not sure if, if I am going to. I'm sure I will one day, but... I think, no, I want to watch it. I don't, I don't have a strong drive to because I love the book so much. And I'm just like... 
I just don't. I just don't want. I don't know. I don't know. I don't People want to love it though. I know. I he know. loves it. I know. I know. We're and I'm, be, I'm being it. stubborn. I'm being, being stubborn very when I do stubborn. that. Stubborn. So Nosferatu, you've probably seen the show or read the book or both, but the basic idea of or no- the graphic novel or the graphic novel. Um, so it's all out there. But in case you haven't, the 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 main conceit of Nosferatu is that there is a way to travel between places but though that that method of travel is dark and different for everybody yes yeah well everybody who has this ability yes so the main character for example it's her crossing a bridge it's it's a literal covered bridge that she crosses and she can travel to different places her name's that way. Vic right yes yep. um, whereas the main villain Charlie Manx he travels in his car in his old beautiful car <laughs> And Charlie Manx has taken strong advantage of these abilities, and he runs a place known as Christmas Land. Christmas Land. And it's a fabulous land where children play yes. with knives and. They're very happy, jolly children. Yes, just. <laughs> Little homicidal, little little, little little creepy, little demonic. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's meant to look like a paradise where it's Christmas every day. It's funny, Nosferatu is very hard to summarize because it is very high concept, yes. more than it is just straight plot based. Um, in Nosferatu, he's more created a world mm-hmm. than he has a a plot scenario. Yes. And that's one of the things that makes it so special and I'm sure makes it really great as a TV show is he just creates this very rich, diverse world. And I kind of like, I'm basing this kind of on conversations we had as I have not read this entire series, but I kind of see Nosferatu as kind of being the baseline to Joe Hill's world Mm. like the Dark Tower is the baseline to Stephen King's world. I, I see that. It's comparison. kind of a foundation. Yeah, like the mythos. Um, Vic, I love this book too, of course. Uh, Vic has a really cool ability to where she can find lost things. Yes, that's right. Uh, which I really, really like. And she's a complete badass. And talk about another battered, tortured soul of a character um, who is just sinewy. Like she's just at the end of her ropes at all times and you just are pulling for her because she's so brave and she's such a badass and she's so unbelievably flawed. I love to see characters who are at their worst um, emotionally, physically, or whatever it may be and and be able to read how they are still just strong, kick-ass people. Yeah. And, and she fits into that. And she's a mom, too. Yes. And that's a big motivation for a lot of the book is that she's a mom and she's got to do some mom things. Who doesn't love a badass mom? And then in case you have not heard anything about Nosferatu. Uh, so the title of the book exactly is N0S4A2. So you may have seen that on the shelves and not really known what that is. It's a driver. It's it's a license plate. So N0S4A2, Nosferatu. And that's, that's kind of one of the conceits of the book. <laughs> All right. So my next one I want to talk about is the lock and key 
graphic novel series. Now, I full disclosure, I have not finished this series yet. Um I am a late adapter to it. No good reason. I love graphic novels. I love manga. Um it's great palate cleanser stuff for me to read and I adore it. I love them. And uh, I just fall behind and then I kind of like get some and I like catch up for a while and then I like kind of like it kind of falls away again. I, I don't know why. It's just this weird like I, I, I crave it. So I like save it. Does that make sense? It does make sense. But also you're kind of a slow graphic novel reader. You really absorb the art. I, I you spend a lot frame. of time on every page. And so, you know, whereas when I go through a graphic novel, you know, I whip through the thing quite quickly sandra really takes her time with it i do i really do so this is a fun series um i believe it's been bounced around a whole bunch but i think it's officially going to be a netflix original so you got to read it or at least start reading it before the show comes out uh it's published by idw comics which is great comic book house um and it is illustrated beautifully by gabriel rodriguez absolutely incredible illustrations. I cannot say enough about his art style. It is so perfect for Joe's words and for this world he's created. So this is uh, this is a story about three siblings. Uh, they are Tyler, Kinsley, and Bodie, and they range in age from like 17 to Bodie's six. And their dad uh, is murdered. So they have to move with their mom from across the country to an island called Lovecraft in Massachusetts. <laughs> and they move into their dad's... Um, ancestral home and their uncle lives there and it's uh called the key house and this is another one of those things where it's like i have to be careful how much i describe of the concept but as you can imagine in a horror comic horror graphic novel everything is not as it seems um there's lots of doors lots of locked doors and lots of keys and lots of mystery and menace tied to this house. Um, it's absolutely a magical, dark fantasy world. That, and it's so funny. There's so many laugh out loud moments in this. And it's also um, a lot of that human drama that we talked about that he nails so perfectly is summed up in this. It's not like the typical thing where, you know, you might read these books where it's like, oh, the mom died or the dad was murdered or whatever. And like, they never deal with it. But in this series the characters are dealing with it and sometimes they're dealing with it really poorly like the mom's kind of fallen into the bottle and uh kinsley i really really love the girl who's like the middle sibling she turns to running because she literally is like trying to outrun her past and outrun her feelings and as a runner too um i really like that character kind of um stereotype when that's done really well and i think it's done really well in her case and bodie's just adorable the six-year-old he's so cute and he's so funny um yeah i even though i'm not done with this series i know i'm absolutely gonna love it but i just um i'm really at that point now where i, I just want to devour it i just want to get it like done because i'm enjoying it so so much and I know, I know I'm late to the party. I know everybody else has read it. They've got the tattoo. They've got the art on their walls. I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I'm catching up. I'm catching up. 
And Scott has not read this. I haven't read I haven't read a single page and I'm very excited to get started. I'm with you on this. I do not know how we kind of let this get past us. I mean, I've known about it. Well, of course, it's been out for a long time. But I don't know why we never got it started. And it's no excuse. It's a great shame. This is it's a great, a great shame, shame upon this house. Upon our people. Um Absolutely love it. So beautiful. Cannot recommend it enough. So the last one that I'm going to bring to the table is Horns. Now, there <laughs> was an excellent movie with Daniel Radcliffe mm-hmm. that, that I really enjoyed. But the book is better. Of course. <laughs> so Horns is about Ig Parish, who is accused, suspected of killing his girlfriend. Um, his girlfriend, Juno. And in fact, so much so he thinks he did it. And maybe he did. But he wakes up one morning, the very beginning of the book, and he has horns on his head. Literal horns. Literal horns. And he seems to be the only one who finds this strange. But his interactions with the world, it's a really, it's a really weird book. <laughs> yes. It's its really weird. And this is probably the hardest one to, to really summarize because it's built so much around his interaction with other characters. Mm-hmm. It's a mystery trying to, to unravel exactly what happened to Juno. It's uh. It's really creepy, yeah. Because his interactions, it's they are affected by the horns on his head, but not in the ways that you would think. I think it's not a spoiler to say what they do. So basically, he can he can force people to tell him the truth, like they confess their deepest, darkest things on their soul to him, and really really dark stuff yeah i mean i mean the darkest things you can imagine it's not just oh you know i i steal candy bars from the store every week it's i've always wanted to kill this person and i've been plotting for it. i've been plotting to do it for five years yeah and i have you know i have a knife in my basement that's dedicated to exa- i mean this the most is, deviant thoughts i mean like really just the worst um, there's a lot of biblical allusion in this book. There's a lot of allegory. There's a lot of like, is this supernatural? Is this really happening? Like you said, there's, of course, the mystery going on with it, too. And there's that foundation base Though this came out before Nosferatu, just to be clear for everybody, yes. that is like this world, the Joe Hill world of this other side of the door kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Ig is such a great character because he's incredibly flawed, but some of those flaws you even you, you question and some of his, his positive traits you question because he doesn't really understand himself. He, he is kind of the ultimate unreliable narrator yes. because he does not know himself. He's not lying. He just is, he's ignorant to his own experiences, to his own feelings, to mm. his own existence in a way that's that, that makes him fascinating, but creepy. <laughs> but, you know, in a, in a strange way, because of all of that, still likable. Now, this book, I remember when you read it through the first time. I think you've read it more than once. I've read it three times. Three times. Third time's the charm. Um, it had a very profound effect on you. You were shooketh, like to your core. I, I, like I'm not in surprised. A, in an emotional, spiritual, complicated way. It's very 
it's um has a lot of very strong allusions to Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also th- that 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 deep dark secret that li- that's lying in everyone's heart. Yes. That that literally that they literally share with no one. Yeah. Everyone has something that there is no one else on earth that will ever find out about it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's very frightening to to see people let that out and mm-hmm. and and be gleeful in it because that's the thing when they when they tell him they're not ashamed no they're they're overjoyed to have that feeling to have that that admission mm-hmm. it's it's almost like they're taken to that to that deep primal place in their minds that would even force that would even that would take joy in these awful things that they are that they are fantasizing or have actually done. Yeah, um, I would say that that's a, a big theme of a lot of Stephen King's work is that dark, uh, stony soil of a man's heart, <laughs> the shadow self, the truth that no one ever sees. Like he's written about, you know, spouses being married and they don't even know that other side of that person. And um, it's really fascinating territory in a psychological way to think of what if that's true? What if everybody does have this deep darkness in them? And what if you can never really truly know a person? I think everyone does have that seed of darkness in them. Yeah. I think everyone does. And it doesn't mean that that every that that most people would ever act on it, <laughs> be murderous or what yeah, have you. I, but I think everyone has that dark place, that dark that dark world of fantasy in their minds that that will never be shared with another human being. And I think that that's I think that that's what affected me the most in that book was just that 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 kind of idea of everyone having that that secret horror inside of them. Well said. So, last but not least, and you are going to be able to weigh in a little bit on this one. Uh I chose to talk about his newest work, which is Full Throttle, a collection of short stories, short novels really. Um I mean, the man can do it all. He can write graphic novels. He can write screenplays. He can write short stories. He can write novels. Like, I feel like that is really rare for someone to really be able to master so many different forms of art like that. Um, So this is an absolutely incredible collection of stories. Uh, And there's not a bad one in the bunch. Honestly, of course, there's going to be a couple that I'm like, well, those are probably like a little bit towards the bottom of my list. But no, there is literally no bad story in here for me. There was not a page wasted. Um, It runs the gamut, all horror, but uh, fantasy, sci-fi, psychological, supernatural, everything is contained within this book, including uh, the story In the Tall Grass, which he co-wrote with his with his pop. And that's uh, an older story that's been around for a while and has recently been adapted into a Netflix movie, which I haven't seen yet. I do intend to see it, but I wanted Scott to read that story first and then we would like watch the adaptation together. Um, so when we saw Joe, he read the story to us, uh, You Are Released, which is so frightening. It is so scary in the most absolutely real way possible. Like, this story could happen to any one of us tomorrow. Yes. There's nothing supernatural in it. 
nothing at all. And it, I, I, when, and especially, and hearing him read it, I was like, I was getting serious panics. Yes. Listening to this story. Um, it, it's such a real primal fear that it, it is based on that is that is real for our current world and is a fear that has been existing for over half a decade over over half a century now that that is so terrifying that if we really do think about it on a regular if we really did think about it regularly none of we would all be paralyzed yeah with fear of what tomorrow could hold um i should say too there's another story in here that he wrote with stephen king called throttle which is the first one in the book and the introduction uh to this collection is called who's your daddy did you read that (laughs) i i I actually listened to that on audiobook oh right but yes yeah well like um so as soon as we got home from that uh you know reading with him i immediately reread that story again uh he has such a wonderful distinctive way of putting voice to so many different types of characters ages genders walks of life um it's really astounding and the themes of this short story collection because you know all your good collections have like a theme usually they have a ribbon through them Mm -hmm. this one is definitely fathers mothers too but especially fathers and their relationships to their children, especially their sons. And the complicated, complicated relationship that that is. But that's that's not all. That's not all. There is also another theme, which is war. War is huge in this. A lot of the people in this are um, veterans who have served and people who have strong opinions on war and battling and what happens to you when you go through combat and serving your country. And there's also the theme of bad people. Um, I love this in short stories, including some that Stephen King has written, and also in this collection, there's a lot of bad people in these stories and people who do bad things. And sometimes that can be off-putting to read because you're so like in disgust of this character and their like bad behavior that you're like, oh, fuck it. I don't care what happens to them or I hope something really horrible happens to them. But it should feel a little more complicated than that when you're dealing with bad, problematic people. And I think they do a really good job of um, weaving problematic characters into their books. And I think that's why it's really cool that the theme is fathers and that his father co-wrote two of these stories with him because you can really see um, a marriage of their two minds and their two styles and their two interpretations of bad people, fathers, etc. I will say, I think my favorite piece in here, though it's very hard to pick, would be Fawn, F-A-U-N. Want to read it over and over and over and over again. I want to read this whole collection just 50 more times. I love it so much. Definite, definite reread. All right. Well, I guess that sums it up for us. We freaking love Joe Hill. We love Joe Hill. You love Joe Hill. <laughs> Even if you haven't read Joe Hill, you love Joe Hill. You should experience it. Please you should introduce accept, yourself to it. Please accept Joe Hill into your life. Where We have been known to conscript for Stephen King. We will also be conscripting for Joe Hill. You'll hear a knock at your door. Hi, we'd like to share some uh, some good news with you by Joe Hill. <laughs> 
And I, I would just like to say this show wouldn't exist without Joe Hill, and I'll tell you why. Oh. Joe Hill is the first horror novel that Sandra got me to read that I that I enjoyed and appreciated Being heart and shaped loved. Box. Heart shaped yes, heart shaped box. Yeah. Um we both you know, we found it before we knew that Joe Hill was Stephen King's son. To be honest with you, if I had known that, I might not have read it. But the concept got me, the idea got me, and I read it and I loved it. And and heart shaped box is what got me interested in horror novels. Is Ooh. what got me into the 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 third tier of our of our genre structure. <laughs> and because of that, I have a much greater appreciation for you know a, a breadth of horror novels, yeah, as well as my you know normal fantasy and sci-fi, and 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 so Joe Hill means a lot to me for that reason, yeah. And and so I'm just very thankful that he is a writer mm. and that he is out there and that he is still writing stuff for us, our, our little our genre, you know, us genre nerds out here. Yes, um, our tribe. So yeah, if you have not experienced a book by Joe Hill yet, you you owe it to yourself to give it a try. I 100% agree. Absolutely fabulous writer. Deserves all the praise and success in the world. And also when we've met him, an incredibly kind and funny human being as well. Genuinely, genuinely funny. All right, guys, that's it. We're going to officially say October's over now. Sorry it's into November, but you know, fires. We can't, we can't help that. No, we cannot. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us, and please keep reading some Joe Hill books past your bedtime. Mm-hmm.